sad news this week Eddie Van Halen passed away age 65 uh, he's been battling cancer for as many years so um, he finally succumbed to his battle with cancer and it's sad and I though I've never met Eddie Van Halen um, it kind of hit me hard I remember I was going about my day uh, I got a text message from my buddy Mike Scandato who um if you guys have been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, Mike's been on here. And he's also one of my partners over at Necromaniacs. And he just typed in Eddie Van Halen. And just that made me think that what what could possibly be happening with Eddie Van Halen unless he died. And uh, sure enough, I went online and I saw the news that he passed away. And uh, when I was a kid, just getting into hard rock music, Van Halen was one of the bands that uh, really blew my mind. And, uh, you know, I, I would I became obsessed with them when I was like 13 or 14 years old. And um, it's it's uh, it's just like it's like a, a bridge to your youth was washed away when all of these people that you look up to, uh, you know, musicians, whatever start passing away it's like you're somehow reminded of your own mortality and the passage of years and the ages going by and different seasons and all that sort of stuff uh but i remember when i was a kid i was you know every summer man just endless lifespan ahead of you and um you know being a kid summertime came and there was always next summer and i remember um being at my grandmother's house and uh I had a I had friends who lived down the corner and um I'll I'll I won't mention their names uh you know just respecting their privacy but yeah we we were we were really good friends they had a big family uh their older one of their older sisters had a boyfriend and um he was the brother of another classmate of mine and he was a bit older I mean he he was probably I would say 19 or 20 maybe and I was like 13 or 12 or something in that somewhere in that age group and um he'd been in the air force and something happened and he came back home and uh I kind of I you know once again I don't know all the ins and outs but I think there was some kind of controversial reason why he was no longer in the air force um so anyway he was living with the family that lived down the street from my grandmother. And, uh, of course, you know, I, I thought he was like the coolest dude in the world. He had, you know, girlfriend, really good looking. She used to walk around in her bathing suit in the summer and, 
you know, you're just starting to understand like your feelings about women and you see these like this beautiful woman walking around in a bikini and uh you get you get these uh these emotions associated with that. So anyway, that was his lady and he had this insane sound system, uh incredible record collection. And uh, you know, all that stuff made sense to me back then. Uh, because I was becoming beginning my obsession with music and but now looking back I'm like, wow, it's it's kinda interesting. The dude probably had like a, like a rucksack with his clothes, but his in, intense stereo system and record collection came with him. And um, you know, something about that, you know, kind of respect that, you know what I mean? That summer I had heard Black Sabbath we sold our souls for rock and roll. Deep Purple, Machine Head, and the first Van Halen record. That was what uh, what this this cat bestowed onto me. And you know, prior to that, I'd been you know really into Rush. Um, of course, Led Zeppelin was uh, was a band that I was digging. Uh, and even before that, my entry level band that I think I listened to was Foreigner um double vision that was something that i had on cassette and i thought that was some pretty awesome hard rock but then of course i started getting into zeppelin and started understanding like the uh you know the next level the other realms of hard rock and heavy metal and the mastery of uh, robert plant and jimmy page and their uh, flights into fancy and these like occult crowleyan stories they were telling so one of the things that was common, you, you know, you, you know, Jimmy Page played guitar and his style was very much rooted in the blues. You know, you'd listen to Tony Iommi, you know, he had his thing, which was more, more of my thing. You know, these like monster evil riffs, his solo style was like, you know, blues based, you know, of course there was Eric Clapton. I was dabbling into cream and, uh, Never been a big fan of Clapton's other work, but I really, really liked Cream. Um, actually, there's a, a Roger Waters solo record called The Pros and Cons of Hitchhiking that uh, Eric Clapton plays guitar on that record. And that's actually a quite good record. And if um, anyone out there finds that anywhere, I would grab it and listen to it. It's a really cool record. And uh, so, yeah, they're, they're very standard. You know, all, all these guys brought it when they played guitar, they were virtuosos, they were uh, groundbreaking songwriters, um, but they definitely had their own styles. Like you can hear Jimmy Page, you knew it was him. You heard Eric Clapton, he had his thing that he did. You know, you would listen to Tony Iommi and you know, his rhythm guitar playing was incredible. Then you'd hear a solo and be like, oh, it kind of sounds like Tony Iommi. But Van Halen, just put everything on steroids in a lot of ways. And uh, I just remember hanging out at the house and um, the, the record, I don't, I don't know, this had to have been like maybe 1979, 1980, that summer. And um, Van Halen 1 was probably out for a while. And uh, I remember they, they, we put the record on. And as, as you all know, it opens with Running With The Devil, which I was like, oh, this is, uh, you know, it's cool. 
vocals are pretty, you know, it wasn't really what I was expecting. You know, at that time, like I said, I was into Robert Plant and, you know, this David Lee Roth's vocals were like cool, but it took me a while. It grew on me over time. And then the guitar solo came and I was like, oh, everyone's like talking about this dude. He's like his pictures in all these magazines. That guitar solo wasn't really like, didn't really blow my mind. So Running With The Devil ends and then eruption starts. And that's when I got a slap of reality. I got bitch slapped by that guitar solo. And I mean, it's really a piece of music. It's not, you know, um, phallic wanking that, you know, a lot of people like to criticize heavy metal guitar soloists as, uh, you know, cock worshiping, you know, wankers. But Eruption is an actual piece of music. And that's something that he's been able to replicate note for note every single time. And I was, I didn't even know if I was, I wasn't even sure if I was listening to a guitar, you know, when he goes into the, you know, the two hand tapping techniques. And I was like, man, this is, I had no idea what he was even doing, man. Like that was beyond anything I'd ever heard or seen. And, um, I didn't know how he was doing it. I didn't realize that he he was using his right hand as well. And, you know, at this time I had just started getting into playing guitar. Like, you know, I knew three chords. I was, uh, didn't really, I don't think at that point I had like this cheap, uh, Stratocaster copy. I, I'd taken some lessons, but I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. I knew some bar chords, uh, just ma- mainly making noise. So, so I understood how guitars were played, but I didn't know that much about guitar playing. All I knew is that Eddie Van Halen's uh, skill and technical abilities were far beyond what anyone else was doing at the time. So, I think I recorded Van Halen 1 on cassette tape off of uh, the older brother here. And, um, you know, that, that was a day of days of cassette tapes and vinyl and all this other stuff. So I probably had a 90-minute cassette. Uh, I recorded Van Halen 1 and probably another record on the other side. And uh, I got to say, that was pretty cool of, of him to do. Um, you know, we were, like I said, he was probably 1920, and we were like, you know, like I said, I was a kid. We were just hanging around, playing Dungeons and Dragons, and listening to this guy's incredible record collection. And and he was cool. Like he hung out. He like talked to us. You know, talked, told me about music, told us about bands, and you know, and Van Halen was one of those bands. And I thought that was really cool. And and then I, the beginning of my deep dive into those records began and uh yeah they, there was an attitude uh that i really liked i mean i was i was a good kid i never really got into trouble and uh you know i didn't really have too many friends uh i read comic books a lot i was into hp lovecraft and robert e howard and just starting to really dive into music because it was something that would fill the space of sitting in my room every night and it was something that created possibilities in my mind and Van Halen was a big part of that and yeah I'd fantasize I'd listen to these tracks I'd fantasize about being cool and like meeting girls and all the songs are about you know getting laid and you know being a maniac and all this other stuff you know hot for teacher 1984 uh 
you know, DOA off of Van Halen 2. That's actually a song that um, I always, I remember I got that cassette for Christmas one year, I think. You know, my parents were good like that. You know, they wanted to um, interest me. And they were, I think on some level, they were happy that I was interested in music that, you know, I'd played in, I'd been involved in music at school, playing saxophone and like clarinet and involved in the music programs. And they thought that was good for me, you know, creative stuff. Uh, when I started getting into like heavy rock and stuff, I don't know how happy they were, but they were just glad that I had interests. So, you know, when my birthday came around or Christmas, they'd ask me, oh, you know, what, what kind of cassette tapes do you want? Do you want anything? And for, for the holidays as a gift. So uh, I put Van Halen 2 down and lo and behold, I, I got Van Halen 2. And I think around that same time, I probably put J uh, Jailbreak by Thin Lizzy. Um, I think, uh, let's see what else, Pink Floyd, The Rolling Stones, there's a the Beggar's Banquet record I think came came to me around that time, but Van Halen too, man. The song DOA, it was like, it it felt like they just made that sub that song up like on the spot, you know, like there was no rehearsal. They just knew how to do this, and David Lee Roth was making up the words as he went along, even though the reality was they probably had played that song live like hundreds of times and rehearsed it thousands of times, and um. I think that's what appealed to me the most about them, especially Van Halen 1 and 2. And it's maybe particularly Van Halen 1, where it really just sounded like guys in a room, like rocking out hard and improvising, you know. And, and as, as I, you know, as I learned later, um, Van Halen was, Eddie Van Halen was very much into um, pre-production and, his solos were recorded like he would multi-track his solos and pick different spots that he liked and different passages and then he would learn how to play them based on like this pastiche of ideas and i thought that was really cool but i didn't i didn't find out about that until much later um i just felt like dude these guys that were filled with like animal energy and uh you know, and I, at that point, I was, like, getting into Dave Lee Roth and his karate kicks and his jumps and, you know, his clever lyrics and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm doing this episode mainly as just a remembrance, like a talk. I, You know, like, I, he's one, you know, one of those artists where it, it touched touched me in my life. And, and um, I think that a lot of you guys out there probably feel sim similarly. And... Um, Originally, I'd reached out to uh, to Jay Bennett about doing this as a emergency Metal Matters episode, but uh, Jay was up against some deadlines, and um, you know, fair enough. I didn't want to wait too long to do this. I wanted to get this out, you know, this week. And anyone out there who's uh, lamenting the loss of uh, one of the most legendary guitarists of our generation, um, this is something maybe you guys can relate to and listen to, and agree with or disagree with and uh you know jay and i did uh back-to-back -back van halen episodes on metal matters so it makes sense that we would would have done something to you know eulogize eddie van halen but you know maybe at another time we'll talk about it but yeah it's sad i actually got emotional man when i found out that that he'd passed away 
I started playing the old records, uh, you know, Van Halen 1, uh, Van Halen 2. Actually, the first song I played was DOA, and I, I actually got to say I shed a tear, man. It was like, like I said, that that long ago time is now officially part of history for me because the connection to that time in my life is has is gone as like stepped off into the void and uh it just makes me feel a little bit closer to death knowing that uh all of these things are starting to turn to dust and it's kind of a kind of a bummer and um so i started working my way through the other songs on that record i put on the first album uh i put on fair warning i listened to 1984 and that kind of rounded it out because I was never a big diver down. Uh, yeah, most of that record's covers. It's still pretty cool. Uh, Women and Children First was like uh, fair, but I, I, I didn't I didn't fuck with that one yesterday at least. And uh, Fair Warning has got to be my favorite record by them though. It's uh, there aren't really that many hits on it. It's um. Well, so this is love. I think is probably the only "quote unquote" hit on that record. But uh, that record, I felt like, was the band turning a corner, possibly, uh, and going into this like darker, sort of wet, sort of like vibe. But you know, whatever, man. All, all that their their whole their whole thing's good. The Van Halen, the David Lee Roth years. I I never. I mean, I got nothing against Sammy Hagar. He seems like a great guy, but I just never dug that era of the band, you know. And then when when Roth came back, that record was cool. You know, Wolfgang was on bass. I mean, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a pretty cool record. Um, you know, then Gary Cerrone, I or whatever his name is, I I didn't even bother to check that record out. But uh, yeah, it's those first few man that that are really classics for me and um but also his long reach into the realm of extreme guitar players man i mean if you think about like trey azik thoth you know and even dr no from the bad brains i listen to eye against eye i'm like he's playing some eddie van halen shit on that record you know and uh there would there wouldn't be extreme metal i think in some ways if it wasn't for for him you know, bands like Voivod, like some of the crazy guitar stuff they do, though not close to what he was doing. There was like this progressive element. I mean, it's, as far as just like rock and roll music, they're one of the best. But also the introduction of these kind of progressive elements into hard rock music can really be traced back to these guys, too. And um, the only other person, guitarist, that comes close was uh, Randy Rhodes, in my opinion. And his life was cut tragically short. But uh, the two Ozzy records, and I, and I know there's Quiet Riot records and you get that were Japan-only releases or something like that. But, I mean, really, the, uh, the two Ozzy records are the crowning achievements of the uh, tragically brief career of Randy Rhodes. And... It would it would have been great to see the two of these guys have have like parallel careers. I I really wonder what Randy Rhodes would have done after after Ozzy. Would he have 
you know, how, how, what path would he have taken, you know? But, um, but yeah, I don't know. That's my, my two cents, my little tribute to Edward Van Halen. And, um, I'm still sad, still kind of feeling it. And, uh, yeah, I just hope everyone else, um, enjoys this and, you know, we can all commiserate with each other. But anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, there is uh, some Tomb stuff that's coming out. We have a new record, November 20th, Under Sullen Skies. Uh, if you guys out there like horror movies, uh, please check out Necromaniacs. Um, I co-host that with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid, who used to be in ISIS and Palms. And it's a weekly horror tour de force and um it's a lot of fun and uh we're, we're really having a blast doing it every week and of course there's the gimme metal show metal matters which uh it's a variety of different things uh next week we have london may from sam hain and uh you know and just a bunch of other stuff coming down the line anyway uh, uh this is october man it's my favorite time of year and uh, I hope everyone's staying safe. I hope everyone's staying positive. And uh, we're still stuck in the middle of all this chaos. And, um, you know, thanks, everyone, for getting in touch, too, man. I, I It's cool that people listen to this. And, you know, th- this is like a real low-key kind of thing, just kind of talking and whatever. But I appreciate people that listen and get, and get in touch. And, and uh, you know, we're all still very much far away from each other and uh you know and it's cool it's cool to uh to have some kind of a community and uh you know it means a lot to me that you guys get in touch so anyway i hope everyone stays safe and be well and to take you out i'm going to play doa Say, I don't know.